wanted Bang Style to be a place of inspiration. So for our social, it is more avant-garde. It is more out there. The weirder, the better. It's all about really digging into that level of creativity. And that's what we, we share. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shop Talk podcast brought to you by 124Go. I'm your co-host, Chris Sulume, and as usual, sitting here with my great friend, Mr. John Palmieri. And we're sitting here today. Uh, we have a special guest joining us with our special guest, Miss mm-hmm. Amina Kapina. Yeah. I had to say it. You say your name. <laughs> Amina Kapina. <laughs> Is that you on Instagram? Is it Amina Kapina on Instagram? No, actually, it's just Amina underscore it should so be amina capina on instagram i mean you would have like you would have people like knocking your door down just to like do i don't know i feel like cheerios commercials (laughs) and things like amina capina eats cheerios (laughs) i don't know anyway sorry i digress um but we have an incredible conversation today lined up Mm -hmm. actually somebody who i'm i'm i know i'm personally really excited about Mm -hmm. um for multiple reasons i probably um, Ashley heard your name maybe, I want to say two or three years ago, um, through a friend of a really good friend of the podcast, George Alderetti, who his work had gotten featured on the Bang Style Supremes. Um, and I started seeing this kind of like flood of content and, and really great, I want to say, shouting out stylists and helping people get noticed. Um, and it was just like, this was before I felt like social had really kind of owned what it is today. We have Ashley Ledvich from Bang Style across the computer screen with us today. And, uh, thank you so much for taking your time. Of course. And a little side note, my nickname as a kid was Ashalina Pina. So (laughs) 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 we're totally like in symbiotic mode here. I was Ashley. (laughs) Well, you know. Ashley, I mean, I, I sit here across this conversation and I, I know I only know as a voyeuristic person from watching Bang Style posting for Bang Style, but I know there's so much more to um, what you all do than what I get to see just posting on your page. I know that you guys work with brands and help them amplify their social presence. So I just can't wait to dig into this conversation. So why don't we just jump right into it? Um, John, uh, how you wanna, why don't you take us out? Well, I always start the same place. So um, we'll start there again today because I like being consistent. Um, Ashley, I always wanna know how you got into the industry. Why hairdressing? How did this happen to you? What is it about this industry that just kind of captured your attention? So tell us, how in the world did you get here? Well, to be honest, I was asking myself that in the beginning. Um, <laughs> I, I ended up here sort of in a weird, twisty, turvy way. I was working for a ready-to-wear fashion company, and everybody has that idea of working in fashion is going to be, you know, glorious. And <laughs> um, I, I don't know, something that you, you'd you see on the pages of Vogue. And I was the head of operations for this company and would go to Paris and resource fashion and worked with the company Solstice, who makes all of Hermes's handmade laces. And it was a lot less glorious than it sounds. And one day I stood up from my desk and I said, I'm out. 
I'm done. And I started packing everything. They all looked at me like I was crazy. And I just, I couldn't do it anymore. hundred hour work weeks and getting to France to find out my hotel wasn't paid again and sort of something you'd see in a movie. And, um, you know, about a week later, I was like, well, that was an interesting choice. I have a mortgage in Los Angeles. And this company kept reaching out to me. And I don't know, they had seen my resume somewhere online and it was a distributor for a beauty company selling shampoo. And I have crazy curly hair and everyone's always talked to me about my hair. And it was like, okay, well, I could do outside sales at least for a little while. They wouldn't know if I was looking for a job or taking interviews and it would pay the mortgage and sure. So I went to a training and was like, wow, these, they really take this seriously, learning all the brands, everything else. And then I started going into salons and asking questions. Um, I got drug into the back room a couple of times, <laughs> asking questions like, oh, does it gross you out touching their scalp and, you know, things I didn't know. Um, but quickly I fell in love with the stylist. I thought, God, these are a really talented group of people and they're so artistic and so creative. And I thought it was so compelling and so connected to the world I'd been in when I asked stylists, why did you choose to do this? And they always answered fashion, which I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. um, and I fell in love with them. And I stayed for four years as a, a DSC, as a salon consultant. I was one of the top selling sales consultants in California. Um, and I absolutely loved it. And then when I was ready to make a move, I just started feeling that itch to go back to sort of more of the operational side and the marketing side. And, and this new brand had launched called Bang Style. And I had been sort of feeding them information because the people who launched it, um, the group who was managing it every day didn't really know anything about hair or salons. And they asked if I would come on board as the marketing director. And that's how I made the jump over to Bing Style. And now all this time later, I own it. But it was definitely, it wasn't, you know, an industry I thought like I want to jump in. But once I got there, I was like, I can't leave. This is so great. What a cool story. I, you know, it's funny because I, I thought you were the owner of Bang Style. And then when you started to talk about entering the way that you did, I was like, do I have this wrong? So, you know, there's so, there's so many things that happened in between there. Um, I, you know, I, we, we, never, we never make our podcasts into a commercial. Yeah. Um, but at the risk of, you know, twisting it a little bit, I, I'd love for you to kind of share for maybe a listener who hasn't heard of Bang Style, which I'm, it doesn't feel possible, but yeah. just in case... Um, what, what sh yeah, sh share with us what, what bank style is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, the impetus to like to kind of take a little step back when I came to bank style and the website was starting to grow and had just launched for me, there didn't seem to be a place to really promote the professional stylist, not in the way I wanted to, the way I wanted to show their craft, that they were more than a root touch up and more than a bang trim. I mean, I was seeing the editorial work they were doing, the avant-garde they, they were doing, and I was like, gosh, this stuff is amazing. Like, we need to promote these guys as artists. So Bang Style was really born for me out of that need and that desire to give them a place to, to shine, really. Um, so the website ultimately is, it's a really multifaceted website. It's a place where stylists are uploading their hair art every single day. We have half our traffic, sometimes more, are consumers who are coming to look at the pictures and save them. Um, but we publish new content daily also. So we're writing content with, like you said, brands who are on our site, things that ultimately either promote brand or new products or a stylist. 
or just things that are important in the industry, like we were talking about today, um, kind of reworking an old article that we've had a lot of inquiries about, about is it safe to color your hair while pregnant? Because stylists sometimes, they, they need those touch points. Like, how do I talk about this to a client? What do I say? What is the right thing by maybe the manufacturer's guidelines, but also the consumers who are really interested in connecting with these stylists and getting good information. We want to make sure that it is uh, just that, that it's accurate and that it's good information to be shared. And we have licensed cosmetologists on staff who are writing content, which I think is really unique to us that we are really all about the professionals in the industry. Um, so it's become this big, robust platform. And then a year ago, we also spun out a whole digital media agency. So Bang Style has become this like big, li well, excuse me, living, breathing thing. Um, and I'm so proud that it all started with promoting the artist. And talk a little bit about the agency piece now. Give us a, a kind of a snapshot of what that looks like. Yeah. So about a year ago, we branched off the Bang Style agency. So like you said earlier, we were really quick to adopt social media. We thought it was awesome and we thought it was a great tool and it was very much like the bank style platform, but different. Um, so we jumped in <laughs> early on and then started telling everyone else that they needed to, whether that would be the stylists or these brands that we work with. And some of them started kind of ringing us up saying, Hey, can you do this for us? So we launched an agency about a year ago where we do everything from Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. We do all of their content. Uh, we do video production, um, ads, everything that a full-scale digital media agency would do. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you do that for brands as well as like, what's the, what's the smallest, you know, you, you just captivated the attention of a, you know, hard hitting salon owner. What's the kind of bandwidth of clients that you work with? Yeah, of course. I mean, we work with everything from really big clients to some that are still what we would call emerging, yeah. uh, that are smaller and looking to get their footing sort of on social or in digital. And then we've also done some, some sort of, I would say more smaller project-based work with, let's say I had a chain of salons who said, can you do an assessment for us? Like, we don't even know what to do. Look at our accounts, tell us what's right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Give us some steps and guidelines. So in that scenario, we, we did, we gave them sort of a proposal of everything we thought would be important because it is really hard to be found. You know, everybody's posting. There's so much content going up. Hashtags are a bit of this sort of like gray area for people, the best, you know, best practices. So we've certainly done that in the past too, which I think is, is really fun for us because it's almost like it's for anybody. It's like a one-off challenge, you know, you're digging into somebody, what they're doing, what could make it better and, and helping them and then moving on, letting them do what they need to, to grow on their own. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I, my, my head's spinning with different questions. So I want to, I want to check you guys first. Well, you know, I think one of the things we, you know, I think one of the things we can touch on is, you know, so you're doing this work and you're helping other brands build their social media presence. You know, let's talk about that a little bit. If you could pick like two, maybe three of the challenges that reoccur time after time after time, the same things that, you know, people struggle with, what would those two or three things be? And again, because we're a learning podcast, maybe gives a little bit of feedback on, on how to make that better. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think what I was saying before, setting yourself apart, it's really hard. We live in, you know, a social climate where we all know balayage and beach waves performs. But if you're posting balayage and beach waves, how is that different from the 75,000 other photos of balayage and beach waves that went up the same day? Right. And I think the thing that 
can seem to be a challenge for the professional stylist, but I know they're capable of doing it and I see it every day, I know it's possible, is to embrace storytelling. The difference is if you're able to connect that to, to your client, maybe to their, their way of life, maybe to their daily challenges, a new trend, a season, connecting it to a story, and then really going beyond just posting and literally saying Balayage Beach Waves mm-hmm. and taking that into something deeper, incorporating your hashtags in your text, not maybe not hashtagging balayage because there's so many you're not going to be found maybe hashtagging whether it's blonde balayage or or something different or hand painted uh, you know a hashtag that's actually going to get you a result mm-hmm. versus falling into the traps of this is a great image but nobody saw it i think those are sort of an overarching hiccup we're seeing on a daily basis sure. you know what's really interesting is the storytelling piece mm-hmm. and amber you know who uh, is a director of marketing for Salon 124 Group, Amina's counterpart, uh, is always talking about the storytelling piece. Mm-hmm. And it's always clicked for me. I get it, mm-hmm. you know, on a, on a general level. Right. But this morning I was at one of our salons and we were filming a makeover. And um, the makeover is a story that we're creating, you know, around this person having their hair done. But the bigger story is she is super excited about her makeover. You know, there's a, the, the excitement inside of that, the literal change that it will bring to her. Um, but there's, I have a side note to this. There was another woman that was seeing us video while we were in the salon and, uh, the stylist Joey called me over to chat with her and we got talking about video and it ends up that her granddaughter is going to go into cosmetology school. I'm going, I'm going somewhere with this. Um, (laughs) and it, and what ended up happening was after we had that interaction, Joey came into the back room with me and she said, that woman is so amazing. And she started to share her story with me. Mm-hmm. And like she wanted to give me the deeper kind of, I want to say importance of what the services that she was having and how, you know, it benefits her self-esteem. And it was such a cool thing. And it, it is one of those things, I think, even as a client in your chair, regardless of a posting thing, I can see somebody for a highlight and a haircut or a root touch up, or I can really dig deeper if I want, if I'm willing to, and, you know, really see that like what we do, we're a part of so many people's stories in the beauty industry. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, I know it sounds dramatic, but it's life changing. I mean, if you look at I mean, one of the things that struck me when I first started in the industry was, of course, I'd had my hair done a million times, but I hadn't given it much thought. Watching it from a third-party perspective was so different to see people come in. So let's say as a sales consultant, I'm sitting in a chair and I see someone come in They're oh, you know, whatever, they sit down, they're making excuses or apologies for the way they look by the time they sit down in the chair in front of the stylist. And then they leave and they're completely transformed. Right. It's incredible. I mean, how many times a day can you say that somebody does that for you? Right. And I think, really. and I think the challenge for many businesses is, as you just said, and many brands is trying to find a way to differentiate themselves from everybody else. Right. Yeah. I always kind, I always kind of look at back at how well Aveda had done that in the past. Um, you know, and I don't know to the extent they do so far, but you know, once upon a time, you know, Aveda built a really good story, right? And people wanted to be part of it. You know, it was the all it was the all natural, it was the organic, it was, you know, being kind to the environment, being healthy lifestyle. And people This was way before their 
Yeah. yeah. And people wanted to be either a part of that, meaning as a stylist, right? I want to go work for an Aveda salon, right? It was almost like they started a franchise, but they didn't own any of these salons, right? They just built that brand image. And so when you're talking about d differentiating yourselves, that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. And I also think now, I mean, to your point about Aveda and what they did and, and why that worked was it was something different. And I think now specifically, you know, I try and keep up on all the articles sent to me and, you know, my team and I try to dig in and read a lot about what's trending and knowing what's going on or what direction we're going. And I think there's a big shift right now. So I think reevaluating what have you been sharing all along? What is your story? Who are you connecting to? I mean, it is ironic that we're all so worried about these platforms that are built upon these words like connection and interaction, when, by the way, they're the least, you know, interactive or, <laughs> you know, connecting ways that, that we interact with people all day long. We're sitting behind a phone, not looking at anybody else and not talking to anybody else. And yet we're talking about how we're increasing our level of connectivity to each other, which is so ironic. But I think right now, when we're starting to look at the industry as a whole, and we're starting to look at something that I've always talked about is who is your next customer? Mm -hmm. Because it's great that we've got this strong customer base, but who's our next customer? Because right. as a sales rep, I would hear every day in Beverly Hills, you know, I've got this like big long list of, you know, seven year old women who are very wealthy, but what happens when they're 80 and 90, but these, right. these stylists hadn't been fulfilling that sort of, you know, underneath that sort of next generation of their customer base. So, you know, as we, as a team at BankStyle, really dig into what's trending, what's new, what, what is Gen X looking for? Even the millennials who have their first meaningful income right now, what are, what is, are these client bases looking for? I think that's where brands and stylists need to reassess what are they connecting to? Because the next consumer is looking for an entirely different set of ethics, morals, connectivity, um, you know, commitment to the environment, all new sets of things that we haven't necessarily been putting out there as our core principles on social or our marketing materials at this point. And now everybody's sort of running to catch up to what the demands of the customer are. You know, back to social media, we are a company with over 150 stylists and it's hard to keep all of them motivated when it comes to social and when it comes to engaging online. Um, and I think they do lose their motivation when big brands don't repost them or don't engage with them. Um, you know, being the owner of Bank Style, what is something that you look at when you're looking um, to find um, different pictures and different stylists on social media? What do you look for when you repost? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that I'm actually going to answer that in a two part answer because for me, you know, one of the things that I think the good and the bad is we know our audience, right? So I'm positive I could bump my followers up to, you know, the million mark or whatever else if I were posting the same stuff that everyone else was posting. And that was more, um, I don't know, sort of widespread, <laughs> you know, more palatable imagery. However, I wanted Bang Style to be a place of inspiration. So for our social, it is more avant-garde. It is more out there. The weirder, the better. It's all about really digging into that level of creativity. And that's what we, we share. However, if you were asking me for my clients, that would be a very different answer because we're looking for, let's say, you know, a stylist in your salon is posting an image that supports a brand, right? I'm looking for things that obviously, does it speak to the product's best performance? Does it share 
you know, great information about the style, the story, like I was talking about, the products used, but also a big, I think a big sticking point is stylists really want that connectivity and that reach of being shared. But the problem is they tag five different brands and 16 different publications. And if I don't know for sure that this is the product you used and the only product you used, I can't share it. So that often becomes a bit of, you know, a block because those stylists are sharing great work. But let's say you've tagged Redken, but you've also tagged Kuhn and Orbe and Kevin Murphy and four other brands. I don't know what you used from each brand, so I can't repost it. So that would be some advice that I could share would be really target your posting if your end goal is to be reshared. I think I heard out of your message as well, you know, like taking ownership to the fact that this is what we stand for. This is who we are. This is our look. You know, um, you know, as well as anybody in the industry or world, possibly how to gain a following. Mm -hmm. That's the easy part from from your skill set. Right. The harder part is saying no to the thing that you don't want to do. And, the, and when I say that's the harder part, probably not in your case, because you understand the values of your company and what you're going for. But, but it is, it is. And I've been criticized over the years and I've been told, you know, my Instagram isn't what, you know, lots of people want to follow. That's okay. We're here to promote the professional stylist and their skill set. And I understand they can do all the other stuff in salon work and it is beautiful. It's not that we don't appreciate it. And the majority of the work on Bing Style is just that work. We celebrate it all day, every day. But to your point, if you know your brand and you know what you want to put out there, it's just one facet. You know, we, our Instagram is one facet. If you go to our Pinterest, which has a crazy following, you're going to see balayage and beach waves and half up, half down and more consumer friendly, relatable content but you also have to know your audience. So for all of your stylists, knowing your audience of the platform you're on is also equally important. Um, Ashley, I wanna follow up with another question. You had, when we were talking a little bit earlier, you mentioned morals and ethics. And I wanted to bring that up because one of the things that you know we find with, you know, we've got all, obviously a lot of our new stylists are younger. They're, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years of age. And we find that, you know, the company's core values really speak to them. It's really important. Um, it's one of the things they look for. And so when you brought morals and ethics up, talk about that a little bit more, because I think that many folks don't understand how important that is to a brand. And I don't necessarily mean morals and ethics like, are you a good guy? But what is your brand? St- what does your brand stand for? What are the values that it finds important? And and people connect to that, right? Absolutely. I mean, so to me, I've done a lot of social media seminars and classes, and my team internally, we refer to it as social media etiquette. So we're obviously there to promote ourselves, whether we're saying brand as in um, L'Oreal or brand as in your salon, right? So brand can be used widely or as a stylist, your brand. We want to present yourself in the best possible light. And I do think it gets a little muddy because morals and ethics apply. We're here to provide a service. We're here to make people feel better about the way they look. And ultimately, if we're muddying the waters with our own personal opinions on politics or even what somebody said last night at the Oscars, I mean, it just doesn't, to me, reflect best on yourself as 
as a business, it's polarizing. And what we do is we ask people to have some form of what well, we, you know, social ethics. <laughs> we, you know, we want to go by best practices. We don't want to spam people. We want to keep our opinions out of the mix. Have a personal page and your, your friends and family love you. They will forgive you or they will be mad at you or whatever they want to comment back. That's fine. But keep that conversation somewhere else. Um, and I think that's something that my team is always really strictly adhered to is let's keep it about what it's supposed to be about. And then if you want to have your own personal pages where you go buck wild and talk about Trump or don't, or, you know, or Joaquin Phoenix's Oscar speech last night, whatever it is, just let's do it in the appropriate place. It's Did I miss something last night? It sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it. Sounds like we missed a speech last night. Oh, you didn't see it? No, I didn't see uh, it. I feel like now yeah. I gotta I gotta pull up YouTube. Yeah, and yeah. Check it out. Now, now it's you've given us something to do for the rest <laughs> of the day. Especially if we're not supposed to be talking about it. That's right. <laughs> I'm gonna send you a link. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> I did all over my personal Facebook page today. I am rooting for that man like nobody's business. Um, but you know what? But not everybody was in support of of his comments, and and I wouldn't put that on Bang Style. However, it went up on my Facebook page about I don't know two seconds after he said it. Hey, everybody, we're going to cut in here. I hope you're enjoying this episode and this uh, talk with Ashley. We're, we're actually going to do something we haven't done before. We're going to do a mini commercial yeah. with our guest. Mm -hmm. um, so, John, how are we going to play this out? Um, Ashley, bang style. How do we find you on the web? How do we find you on social media? How do we get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so first, create a free profile on bangstyle.com and share your work. Upload your work there so we can see you. Um, on Instagram, you can find us at, at @bangstyle, and you can DM us there. And if you have questions and you just don't feel like those options work for you, you can always email me. It's Ashley with two E's, Ashley at bangstyle.com. Awesome. That's great. Thank you. That's for that. fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I've just so enjoyed watching the platform grow. And mm -hmm. as I know and see brands engaging with and using your services, I mean, I just know that you guys are going to be, you're a force in the industry and uh, jump on board. Now's the time. Go to bankstyle.com. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Sure. When you talk about having like your own personal life separate, I know some stylists want their clients to be engaged in their own personal lives outside of the salon. Do you recommend that they have their own, um, their personal pages public or private or kind of combined? I don't recommend combined if your goal is to grow your business as a professional. Um, I do think there needs to be an element of some sort of personal life because they're connected to you. The reason they continue to come to see you is they feel connected to you. However, there's, there's an end to that. Um, as a professional stylist, yeah, I want to see a little bit of your personal life, but I don't want to see if you were drunk and dancing on a table last night. I don't, I, I don't, it doesn't make me continue to have the same level, level of respect I had for you. So let's keep it sort of a high level uh, a bit of information. And then I think personally, some people say to me like, well, what do I do? I have everybody following this one page already. Like, what do I do? Am I going to just start a new one and start from scratch? My answer would be no. What you're going to do is start a new one and make that one your friends and family and let everybody know and shift the content where you already have a big following to be more professional. So that way we've got everybody already in one place to see your work. And then you can start something on the side, invite anybody who you want and say anything you want. And they're all accepting of it. That is so brilliant and obvious at the same yeah. time. I don't even know why I never thought of that. Like take the one that you've already got a lot of friends on, start to yeah. shift your, con that was fantastic. I'm giving you a standing ovation. 
right now without the ovation part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it, I know it's a big thing that people can't seem to wrap their heads around, but it, it's actually pretty simple. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so storytelling is really important. You know, figuring out who your next guest is is really important. Um, we talked about morals, ethics. Um, I, I like to phrase core values because I want to know what your brand stands for mm -hmm. and whether or not I align to that. Anything else that, you know, maybe not so much from a brand perspective, but more from a stylist perspective. I know we just touched on separating your pages, but anything else that individuals tend to struggle with that we can help them out with today? Yeah, best practices. So a company like mine, we spend all day, every day learning and reading and, you know, talking about algorithms and code changes. And I don't expect the professional to do that. Um, and the big question for them is always, well, how am I supposed to do this? I mean, at the end of the day, we know social platforms are a little bit like a video game that you're built to lose. And I hate for that to sound doom and gloom, but it, it's the truth. It, it's not really built for you to win. It's built to make money and for people to pay. So how does a stylist do well? A stylist does well, in my opinion, by following what I would say are best practices. Um, post once a day on Instagram. That's it. Just once a day. Mm -hmm. um, you can even schedule it out if you want. If you're a salon owner and you have the bandwidth to schedule out posts, um, always crediting someone else's work. There's nothing that says as a stylist, you have to post your own work all day long. You can also post inspiration work and credit someone else. Um, for me, a great way is uh, commenting and interaction. So I feel like stylists get a little overwhelmed because they start this page and they've got a hundred followers and then they're looking at, you know, I don't know, Guy Tang or someone and they're like, but he's got millions and I have a hundred. It doesn't actually matter. Sometimes micro-influencers are more important and can do more with their following than big, huge accounts. So really what it comes down to is interaction. And there's a fun tip that I'll share with you. So going back to my nerdy self of the algorithm and how do you combat this algorithm that, that really isn't built for you to win, it's all about interaction. So if you put up a post and then you go and comment on five other posts, not yours, just go to other posts and just start talking, commenting. Just be nice. I mean, again, back to my social etiquette. Be nice. <laughs> Say something nice. Um, don't be combative. Um, and just interact. It will, over time, this is a long-term game plan, but it will, over time, flag the algorithm to say this account has stuff going on, activity. It doesn't understand that you're commenting on other posts. It just sees, wow, as soon as this guy posts, we get some interaction. We should show this to more of an organic reach. Right. So to me, just start engaging and it doesn't have to be all the time. Just when you post, go back to your feed and start engaging in other people's stuff. And that's a great way to start growing your following. I'm going to ask a follow-up question with a little bit more specificity for a company our size. So six salons in a hair school, 150 stylists. Um, obviously when you were talking about the once a day post, that would be for a stylist you know, let's say somebody's trying to get a, a a bigger brand. Is there is that still a what what do the rules change a little bit there? No, even a big brand, a big massive company with a hundred million followers, once a day is the best practice. Wow. I would say you, utilize your story until the cows come home. Um, they said today there was a stat I saw that said fifty eight percent of people are more connected to a brand after seeing storied content. 
story content is where you can continue to post all day, every day. Yeah. But the algorithm is built right now to weed out spam accounts because they say 80% of accounts on Instagram are spam accounts. I don't know if right. it's that high, right. but that's a stat I've read on multiple occasions. So when you're posting over and over again, it actually works against you. Actually, I actually have a question for you. Uh, so I have an Instagram, you know, uh, account and on my in my personal Instagram account, I tend to post things about leadership. I tend to post things about the salon when we just went out to the Thrive event in Phoenix and I posted some stuff on that. But it's always, you know, industry focused and what I like to focus on. And and um, I always get this nice little interactions Well, over the weekend. I made my wife a charcuterie board. Right. And that was very sweet, by the way. Thank you. So you know. It was a it was an epic board. I just want to say, but I posted a picture of a charcuterie board, and you know, just put you know, Friday nights are made for charcuterie boards. Hashtag charcuterie boards, and I, <laughs> I got twice as many um, likes than anything I've ever done. Right, and half of the people I don't follow me. I'm like, who are these people? What, people what? who found you through a hashtag. So number one, you put up content that is more universally sought after. So food porn, food in general, we know is a huge driver of traffic on social. And number two, you put a hashtag of people, they're just looking for it. They're looking for things like charcuterie board and ideas and entertaining and food. And, you know, hair is not a niche category because most everyone walking on the planet has had it at some point. If they don't today, they had it before. Right. I, I remember those days, by the way, they were the best days of my life. <laughs> 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 it's so good. I know I always tease my dad. I'm like, well, my dad, it's like it went in your head and out your face with his bald yep. head and his beard. Um, but not everybody's searching for that all day. Right. You know what I mean? So you put something out there that people are actively searching for all over the world all the time. Yeah. And you used a hashtag that actually is specific enough that it's going to get you to the end result. So I always say like with stylists, don't ever use the hashtag hair. Promise me you'll never use this hashtag because you'll never be found. There's too many people using it. Mm. So with like charcuterie board, you use something that was general enough, but also specific enough to get you people who weren't actually following you. So um, my my thought process is this. Okay, so I posted something personal. I posted something universal. I got a bunch of people that otherwise would have never have found me, right? And so the lesson learned here is maybe every once in a while I need to post something else, maybe not necessarily a charcuterie board, but you know something a little bit more personal that connects you to connects people to me. But as somebody who just learned that lesson, aside from in the future posting more like that, not too much because it'll become a food page, right? How do I capitalize on the people that just followed me that otherwise never would have? Um, is it just as simple as going to their pages now and commenting on what they did? Yeah, it is. I mean, if you really want to engage them, it's that simple of then engaging them back. So that they say, oh, okay, well, I should follow this person because they're engaging with me and that was cool. Um, in some cases, in some cases, it doesn't honestly matter because if you continue to do that once in a while and you start getting seen by more people, then the end result is the algorithm shows your current work to more people organically because we know the reach is only 
from one to 8%. And if we can get you to the top of the 8% because your posts are getting more engagement, then more targeted users, people who are looking for the content you're putting out there are going to start to see you. So it's a win-win. So the engagement is that low, one to 8%. Correct. Because these platforms are built for people to spend. They're advertising platforms. That's the end game. So the organic reach, it can be more depending upon the account, depending upon your personal engagement rate. But on a typical account, it would be one to eight. I want to spin the conversation a little bit and maybe cast a little bit of a wider net onto general marketing. And I, and you know, obviously you being a, I mean, being a sales consultant, I guess I want to say this. I actually said this on a recent podcast. If you, if you don't know anything about the life of a sales consultant and you're listening to this, I think of a sales consultant very much um, uh, like a cousin to a hairdresser. And how I and why I say that is, you know, there are sales consultants that are consultative and become a partner to the salon and touch a lot of their clients and are able to listen to them and find their needs and fill those needs and help them grow. Then there are sales consultants that are order takers. They come in and they fill the order and it's kind of like hairstylists in a way, right? You know, I can, I can either be a consultative hairstylist and grow a multiple service style clientele, my dream clientele, if you will, or I can do haircuts all day. And either, either one is fine if it makes you happy. But the one thing I know about a sales consultant is you have the opportunity to be with more individual stylists and owners than almost everybody. And you, you get to hear their ear, you get to hear their challenges as well as help them to grow. And so, you know, from a, to, to bring the net out more to a salon marketing, not just social. Um, I mean, there's a question in here and I, and I, as I'm trying to draw it out or think it through, I guess I just want to know, um, the storytelling piece, you know, from a salon level, aside from the social piece now, how, 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 what are some marketing best practices? Is that a place that you still spend any time or, you know, you still seeing people struggle with that? Absolutely. You know, for me, I think the key again is all about connectivity, right? Because these people they pay to come to see you. Well, let's be frank. They pay to sit in your chair because they feel connected to you and the salon and they get a great service, of course, but let's not forget the personal connection here. Cause I think that's really big. And when we talk to salons about um, marketing or when I look at salons, who's doing something great, who's, who's not, I think ultimately it's about that level of connection. So I, you know, I used to go into salons on a Friday and say, Hey guys, we're not going to take an order. Let's talk about your business. And I always felt the salons that were um, kind of doing the best in that area were the ones that were connecting with all the other businesses around. They had a pulse on what was happening in their area, their neighborhood, maybe a client who spends a lot of time raising money for a particular organization. I mean, there were so many opportunities to say, this is what's happening in our salon, the people who are coming into our salon, and then all around our salon. And whether that be through email communication or a flyer or an event they're throwing or anything else, to me, that was the best marketing was how do we connect ourselves to everyone around? Um, I think it just behooves everybody. It, it's a win-win for the salon, for the actual community that you're living in. Um, and then obviously there are platforms that'll help do that. Like Yelp is not my favorite. 
because I found that the reviews of salons would be like, ah, that girl at the front was on her cell phone or I couldn't find a parking space. None of that has anything to do with the cotton color you just received. Mm -hmm. um, I really like Nextdoor. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Nextdoor is an awesome platform where when you register, they plop you into a group based upon your zip code. So it's all peer-to-peer -peer recommendations. That's it. It's just peer-to-peer -peer recommendations. So I might see um, a post about a missing dog, about a stylist, a new salon. Here's the caveat. You cannot post about yourself. You can't market or advertise your salon. They'll take it down. There's moderators. However, I think it's a great place to ask your clients to share about you. A friend of mine, um, just a, a short example, a friend of mine is an acupuncturist. And that's not the easiest role to get new clients. Not everybody's signing up for a bunch of needles. What? And she said to me, would, right. you mind, would you mind putting up a post on Nextdoor? So I said, sure. And I had gone in to see her because, you know, I have terrible knees. I was a dancer as a kid. And, and so I went in and she'd, you know, stuck needles everywhere. And I actually did feel significantly better. So I put up a post, just a genuine thing saying, Hey, if there's anybody in the neighborhood looking for pain relief or, you know, I know there's a myriad of things they treat, but I've always been a little squeamish about it. I tried it and I feel great. And she had nine new clients that week. Wow. It's a really powerful platform. So for salons, Again, I go back to the connectivity, knowing what's going on around you, partnering up with other businesses, having events, um, you know, B&B, &B, bring your own blow dryer night, things like that that are fun. But I also think Nextdoor is a great way to get your name out there and get the word out there without you having to say it yourself. Let people say it for you. But my only other thought about that, whether it be Nextdoor or um, any of the other review sites, is when I talk to salons, I say to them, be specific in what you're asking for. Leave me a review on Yelp leaves for a really wide open review. I could be reviewing anything. I may have had the best sub, like the best service in the world, but I got cut off on the way home. Sure. My boyfriend flanked on, flaked on dinner and I'm in a bad mood now. Ooh. And I don't leave you the nicest review because my day has changed. Right. And that's not really fair. So what I say to salons is be specific. Ask for a review. They have those little signs in the front. You know, please review us on Yelp. What are we reviewing? Please review your cut and color. Please review your service. Be specific in your ask to get the results you want. Mm -hmm. uh, Ashley, yeah. tell me TikTok really is important. TikTok is, you know what? I don't think it is. I don't do it. I know brands are jumping in. I, you're yeah. going to tell me, what are you saying? I, I'm still waiting on that one. Yeah. Um, I'm still waiting. Yeah, I signed up for an account because, you know, I want to see what's going on. I want to, you know, hopefully be a, a little, I say ahead of the curve, but mm -hmm. if I was ahead of the curve, I would have been out of the year ago, right? Um, and right now. You're still, you're ahead of the curve in your age bracket, no doubt. Oh, well, there you 100%. go. 100%. Um, but here's the thing. I mean, how many more people can I watch lip sync to a, you know, <laughs> I've, I'm done. You know? uh, yesterday. The thing is, I have yet to see or really understand for myself. And the reason why I'm still waiting is I'm not really sure, although, yes, there's a lot of people there. Right. How are we best marketing a brand when I have to lip sync and dance? Mm -hmm. right. It's fun. And, and they'll feel, but I'm not sure that I've used yet. So I, I haven't recommended to any of our clients to jump on unless they just want to because it's fun right 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 or to or to or to learn to use the platform or whatever but 
Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yesterday, you know, we have we have we have a girl in this company that has millions of views on tip TikTok, um, but it's it's not for hair. She you know she does some really creative, fun things with food. Um, and then uh, yesterday, I was chatting with a girl uh, that you know has millions of views on TikTok, and you know again, it's her and her little brother making up fun things and. Um, you know, so it, it's interesting. I, you know, my, my stance on this not being an expert is I feel like one day those eyes will develop if it stays around, but yeah. you're not, but you're not, it's kind of like Instagram in the very early, like the earliest of days right now to where, you know, everybody's just trying to figure out what it is. Well, the other thing too, is for a big global brand, it might make sense because you're able to go buy their products anywhere. But right. when you're looking at more of like a salon or a stylist, I don't know that it makes sense unless you're just having fun right. because somebody who's watching you in China, they're not really going to sit in your chair tomorrow. Yeah. I, although I have to say, I, I liked Instagram right off the bat. I remember yeah. getting on the platform and going, oh, this is cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I don't feel the same way about TikTok, although as Chris said, yeah. Maybe if I hang around long enough. You know, I never felt that way about Snapchat either, though. I Bank Style has never been on Snapchat. Um, I don't know. Some of our clients might be. We don't manage it for them. We've just we we teasingly or jokingly say we've never been snappers. We're just not snappers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same. I never really. I. I mean, I get that there's a whole group of people that do Snapchat, but as for a hairstylist, I haven't. For companies, I actually think the hidden gem is Pinterest. And we, the largest driver of traffic to bank style is from Pinterest. And we go hard on Pinterest for all of our clients. We find it to be a really important platform yeah. with a strong level of engagement. Pinterest is one of those platforms that I like expected to be dead. Yeah. And it just keeps on. Keeps, keeps ticking. It keeps on going. Who's who's on Pinterest? Well, I'll, t I'll tell you one person that's on Pinterest. Who's on Pinterest? Salon 124 group. And we, we get a ton of engagement on Pinterest. Wow. Because if you think about it, 80% of pins are repins yeah. okay. and you guys are creating new content all day, every day. Right. Yeah. yeah. And not everybody has that opportunity to share new content. So right. all of the hair that you're creating across your salons, it's right. really valuable content for that platform. Interesting question on that. Then I guess, again, I just want to go to the micro level. Um, is it, so it is a place, is it a place for a salon to spend their time, effort and energy if they're already creating content or? I think so. I do. And I've always said it is, but I, I, I tell them when you're creating a salon profile, remember on, when you're on Pinterest, it's like going fishing. So we're fishing for these new people to come and view you. So it's not just about what you like. So think about the boards that you create. Who are you trying to attract? Are you a salon who has the client who's shopping for Louis Vuitton and Hermes? Or do you have the Gap client? What's the client you're trying to attract? And those are the boards that you should be creating. And it shouldn't all just be about hair. It should be local community activities, um, you know, fashion, all the other things that encompass beauty or the type of person you're trying to attract. But when you're on Pinterest, if you're looking to use it to grow your business, you need to be looking at who am I trying to attract versus I think the pitfall that people fall into is just posting a bunch of stuff that they like but maybe that doesn't necessarily match up to who their potential client is. I mean, I've just loved listening to you. And 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 typically we're, we get to do a face-to-face -face on the Zoom. We're not able to do that today, but um, I've been hanging on every word. And I just, you know, I, John, and John's the same way. I love meeting smart people. And I just, I love, 
you know, the way you're delivering and articulating and making, you know, making something that's not so simple, um, simple and sharing strategies. And so uh, I know I'm taking away a ton of value and I'll probably go back and listen to this five, six, seven, eight times. Um, maybe I'm sure more, um, John, what are you kind of taking away from our time with Ashley. Yeah, there's so much here. Um, you know, some of this we mentioned already, but I think for the sake of review, it's important. You know, we've heard this a thousand times, but it shows up every time we have a conversation like this. Storytelling is so important. You know, it, it's an important aspect of social media in that you're actually having an emotional connection with somebody, and that, that happens through storytelling. I love the thinking of who is your next customer, who's your next guest. Mm-hmm. I think that if you're purposeful in what you're putting out into the universe on what that next guest looks like, I think that's a nice way to start looking at things yeah. that you don't necessarily, because you're always kind of attracting what you already like, but what's coming on down the road? What I, what I like about that, and I, yeah. I know I don't usually pipe in here, is you know we have a, we have a lot of very seasoned stylists. Yeah, They've been do. doing hair 25, 26, 28 years, right. and- there's a comfort yep. that comes with having that client. But when I when I walk in some of our locations, mm-hmm. I see a very young clientele mm-hmm. and I walk in some of our locations and it's not quite the same. And a you can older. see that, yeah, yep. some of those people may uh, not come back next year and it's not because they didn't want to. Right. It's because they moved to Florida. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and so... My, my dear friend Sam Villa says all the time, um, he says there's danger in the comfort zone. Yeah, And I think that's really important when it comes to how we look at our client base. Um, I liked being able to talk to Ashley about, you know, maybe a reaffirmation that morals, ethics, and core values mean a lot. And as someone who works with our students like you do, Chris, to come out of the school and, you know, they're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, I think a lot of folks don't understand just how important it is to that group. Um, it, it's a big deal. And I, I liked getting that affirmation again today. Um, for me, the practical aspect of maybe I need to, you know, post some more charcuterie board pictures. <laughs> well, but more important, you know, finding those five people that I have no idea who they are now, but they've stumbled across my page and connecting with them. You know, putting a comment out there, letting them know that, um, hey, you know what, I appreciate you connecting and maybe they'll visit a little bit more. And if I was still behind the chair, Heck, they'll turn into a, uh, a hair customer. Yeah. And lastly, thanks for the hot tip on Nextdoor because I already downloaded it to my phone and um, we'll be playing with that a little bit later. So thank you, Ashley. Yeah. Awesome. You're welcome. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, and I I mean, I, I honestly feel like this conversation just started. So I, I feel like I'm going to just pre-ask that maybe six months down the road we do a part two yeah. or something yeah. because there's just, you know, there's so much here. But Ashley, um, you know, as we grow our uh, podcast audience. It's, you know, we have a ton of hair school students that, that listen. We have, you know, a ton of, um, hairstylists and salon owners at all levels. I guess I just want to know with, you know, is there anything you feel like we didn't cover, we left on the table, or maybe just some, some final thoughts that you want to leave us with? Yeah. Well, and, and just to circle back, I would love to do a part two. I could talk about this stuff all day long. Um, <laughs> we're going to get along so yes. good. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's, and, not, there's nothing better yeah. than um, two people who like to talk a lot. That's this right. is somebody who likes to talk back with us. A- absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm all for it. 
Um, you know, like you said, what do we leave on the table? Oh my gosh, that's such a loaded question because there's just so much. But, you know, I think the thing is, is that be kind to yourself. I know there's a lot of different places to jump in and so in social media and marketing and growing your business and the pressures of enough followers, enough likes, like it's all a lot. It really is all while you're trying to work behind the chair, pick up your kids from school, you know, everything else. Like it is a lot. And I always say, find a place that you feel comfortable. It doesn't have to be Instagram. Everybody thinks Instagram is a golden ticket, but frankly, I, I really like Facebook for me personally yeah. over Instagram and all the, the brilliant talented girls who work for me really love Pinterest. Find your niche, find the place you love, get started, just jump in and, and get started there. And once you have a level of success, then branch out somewhere else. You don't have to conquer everything in a day, um, especially when it comes to salon owners who are a little overwhelmed on what do I do? Where do I post? I can't be everywhere all the time. Um, just, just find a place that you feel good and comfortable and, and grow your base and grow your following and then branch out from there. I, I think ultimately, like you said, finding your core value, your core values, establishing what your goals are. My team and I talk a lot about goals. Where do we want bank style to go? Where do we want our clients to go? Where do we want our personal lives to go? And I think if you take a minute and you kind of settle back and get out your pen and paper, cause I'm old school and write yourself a good old fashioned list of what do you want to achieve, then everything else will sort of fall into place. Thank That's you for beautiful. that. Thank you very much. Every time we have one of these conversations, I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in, and I love that about these podcasts. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up. We crossed the 20,000 mark just recently. Um, there, I, we, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand. It's down by your lap. I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets his wings. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. And while that angel is getting his wings, it helps us move up. Um, you know, it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world, helps share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go, as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same uh, in hours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.